I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Wild Ones Podcast, episode 28. This is a show where we chat about bike stuff. I'm Jimmy, and this week I'm joined by Francis and producer Emily. Good to have you back, Francis. It's very nice to be back. I missed you. I enjoyed oh. the two podcasts while I was away. Oh, right. Okay. I got I to listen to them, because I, I don't usually listen to them. Why would I? Because I was in it. I thought so. you were going to say that you enjoyed not being here. Well, I was kind of here, wasn't I? And I was in the wind tunnel with you, and I feel like I've been back for a while. But I'm newly back to the podcast, and it's nice to be back. Welcome back. Thank you. How have you guys been? Emily looks distracted. Sorry, She's pressing I'm... buttons on a complicated machine. Yep. This is why I don't get involved. I'm trying to deal with... Producing. Your so levels. the podcast actually gets made. Yes. Yeah, let's stop distracting her. <laughs> What's been going on in cycling news lately? Uh, so, lactate monitors. Sounds weird. Apparently, they're the most important revolution to hit the pro peloton since heart rate monitors. Pet they're going to be banned. So these are new devices that continuously track your lactate levels. Lactate is a substance made continually by muscle tissue and red blood cells. It's really important because it carries oxygen from your lungs to other parts of your body. When you exercise, the amount of lactate you produce increases. During vigorous exercise, there comes a tipping point where the amount of lactate you produce outpaces the body's ability to use and clear it. So it builds up in the blood and muscles and you feel pretty rough. This point is often called the lactate threshold. When you're over that threshold, you'll typically see a decline in performance. So riders' lactate thresholds are often used at the top level to inform training decisions and base your zones and training plans on. Do you know the difference between lactate threshold and an FTP? Uh, they are very, very similar. FTP is uh, a lot, there's different definitions. FTP, the way Ken, Coach Ken has put it to me, should be the power you can put out for an hour. So all of the tests, ramp tests, 20-minute tests, minus 5%, all of that is trying to replicate that. Uh, the best thing is doing a proper lactate test yeah. where you actually find out what you're... But most people's lactate thresholds and FTPs are very, very similar. Yeah, if my understanding is an FTP test is attempting to work out what your th lactate threshold is. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of like a... Uh, uh, 
mathematical method for roughly trying to work it out. Whereas mm. an actual lactate test is going to tell you what the actual exact figure is. Exactly. Well, yeah. you can do an FTP test at home, whereas even a coach has to have some sort of qualification or medical training because it involves pricking the rider's finger, yeah. taking a blood sample or a very tiny, it's just like a tiny blood sample while you're doing the test, in my experience. And uh, then they'll put it through a little thing and it will give you a lactate reading every single, you know, every time you test it. So it's every two minutes or whatever. Uh, and you have to have like, you have to be qualified in some way to have a proper sharps disposal bin and all of this kind of stuff. So if a coach is doing that, they've gone through proper training, mm -hmm. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> no one's expected to, you know, you're not going to do that at home, are you? So people opt for things like, the Zwift ramp test because it's easier to do. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like it's the sort of thing that normal people are fine using an FTP and the top end, the top 0.1% of actual proper professional athletes are probably always doing lactate tests anyway, but in a much less convenient way than this kind of new technology, which is which is popping up. If they're around the team, uh, when I did, I was I did a training camp. I was on a training camp with Astana and did a couple of rides with them. And they were in the like early season testing phase and they were doing both lactate tests and they were doing 20 minute tests up mountains as well in Calpe. So yeah. they would just, there'll be an outdoor test where they, they weren't checking lactate and then the indoor one, they were checking lactate. So there's a mix. Yeah. Um, I guess what equipment they have because the lactate test, they have to have the expert there. Mm -hmm. They have to have the sports scientist there or the coach or whoever it might be. So it's less repeatable and accessible. But if you're a pro and you want to like, if they, they probably are testing a few times through the season, not always going to have a sports scientist guy there. Yeah. But yeah. We asked our pal, Will Gerling, who's the team nutritionist for EF Pro Cycling, what he thought about continuous lactate monitors and their potential impact on training and results. He told us that a lot of pro teams already monitor lactate levels closely and they'll be doing that with the finger prick thing. Many will do this by doing stuff like ramp tests and taking frequent lactate samples through the test. So the only difference a monitor would make would be the more frequent readings. He said that he could see the benefits as it gives you a much more accurate picture of where lactate is accumulating and in conjunction with data on blood glucose levels gives you a really good picture of a rider. This allows them to make more accurate, tailored recommendations in terms of training and fueling. I think it's a very, it's going to make the lives of the team staff much easier and the riders' lives marginally easier because having your finger stabbed repeatedly is annoying. It's very unpleasant, isn't it? It's not great. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it would become like, oh, it's that again. Yeah. Um, it's minor, but it would be annoying. Mm. And the data is going to be well massive in comparison. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming. Is it like a, is it like a well, uh, thing like a diabetes blood sugar sort of deal? I'm Same, assuming similar. that's the case. Yeah. So so there's already uh, monitors where you basically stick it on your arm. It looks like a nicotine patch, and mm -hmm. it monitors your blood glucose levels. Uh, there's a couple of different companies that are doing them to monitor health. There's some companies doing them for just like normal people being able to monitor their health. Um, and I'm assuming what this technology is, is essentially that, but with the added option of also monitoring lactate. 
which for the very small number of people at the absolute top of top of the pyramid, it makes sense. It's the sort of thing that if I was still training, I would want, I definitely wouldn't need, but it's the sort of thing that I'd be like, well, that's cool to know. It, would it be worth it for the inconvenience of the thing? Like, does it feel invasive? My brain, while you were saying all that, was just going, how many years till Garmin released some sort of microchip that you put in your like in your wrist and then it just does everything that a wearable does and it measures all your blood glucose and lactate and everything. Well, it would have to be more than a chip. There'd have to be a lot of sensors in there. Yes. Futuristic ones. Well, th- the future is that we become cyborgs. So yeah. Oh, cool. But potentially we already are cyborgs. I've never seen you not holding your phone, even holding it now off camera. I'm literally not. And I'm also on camera. Uh, you got two phones. I know you got two phones. Neither of them I have. One you're always, always holding with your third arm, which because you've got a fake arm there. My cyborg arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when it comes to how much impact it will have, the pro community is divided. Astana's, yeah, it's Astana. Astana's director of performance told news site Velo they'd be an evolution in training and account for huge fitness gains. Others say the in-training application may be limited or that will take you years of context to truly understand and fully utilize the numbers processed. The UCI has an in-competition ban on these tracking devices. Of course I do. But there is no regulation on the use in training, which I, I, th- I feel like the, the benefits come from having them in training and outside of competition anyway. I find it odd that someone would suggest that it will take years to utilize the, the numbers produced. I feel like Surely there's enough knowledge and science already done on lactate for them to get instant benefit. Mm-hmm. That does seem weird. Why do you, why you, you seem to suggest that it was obvious that the UCI would ban it? Because they ban everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, purely that. They haven't banned heart rate monitors. They haven't, have they? No. Will it trickle down to the consumer market? I think yes, because it's the type of product that's going to be so easy for massive corporates to sell to normal people. The uh, Zoe is a company that do like a blood glucose thing and they're really driving it in like the health market space and it's got a subscription model like everything does these days. I imagine this is going to appear in the consumer space. Uh, is it needed? No. Will people buy it? Probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, if you're training a lot, I, I, it's the kind of thing where I'd be like, well, it, it, it would be cool to know. I definitely wouldn't need it. And I'm definitely not going to get it now, but it's the type of thing 10 years ago, I would have been like, yeah, that's sick. Let's get, let's get on that. If there was a thing that meant that I could know my FTP all the time without having to do a test and hurting myself on an indoor bike, then I would do it. That is, that's, that is interesting. But you still have it, to do a test, so... Well, would you though? It's, it's quite, I don't know. It's interesting that. that maybe that's where it'll evolve is actually you can have like a, you know, a 12 week block of training, which doesn't require regular testing. And Ooh. you're actually just training, purely training. Garmin Watch or Garmin Connect. I don't know which one is doing the calculation, but Garmin doesn't, you don't have to do a test in order for it to kick out an estimated FTP. Hmm. If it had this data as well, it could surely it could more accurately guess your FTP yeah. after every ride. Well, arguably it isn't a guess. If it's a, it's an esti- a good estimate, very good estimate. Well, with a lactate monitor, surely it's not 
an estimate. It's the it's a factual figure. Yeah, it's probably a formula. Mm. Right, next we have former pro rider Philippe Gilbert. He has been found guilty of assault and battery along with three others after an incident on a training ride when he was still riding for BMC. The retired road race world champion was training on the course of Liège-Baston-Liège in Belgium with teammate Loïc Vliegen. Uh, they were close passed by a motorist. Loïc was thrown to his left when the driver closed past. They then caught up with the driver a short time later as he was sat in traffic. They had heated words and a physical row broke out in which Gilbert fractured his finger. All three, the driver and the two cyclists, were also found guilty of assault and battery over the fight, which actually happened in April 2016. So that's a long time ago. The driver was also found guilty of deliberately obstructing the traffic. Gilbert was awarded 500 euros and Loïc was awarded 1,000 euros. Both cyclists were ordered to pay the driver and a passenger a token sum of one euros. Sweet. I feel like you've probably got some road rage incidents from historic stories. Nah, never any rage from my side. Although I wanted to, <laughs> but I've been chased by people before after like they've closed past or shouted something out the window and you've caught them up. And then I, there's a, there was one time I was with Lawrence and a guy got out of his car and started chasing us yeah. on a foot, which obviously was never going to go well for him. He ended up really far away from his car by the end. Long walk back. I've, I've actually got one. I ended up reporting someone to the police. Really? It was a long time ago. It's probably like, it'd be pushing 15 years now, I reckon, uh, commuting in London. So it wasn't like on a training ride or anything. It was literally just commuting through Hackney uh, on a single speed. And a, a white van guy decided that I had like cut in front of him or something or other, and then drove alongside me, called me uh, the C word, swung, then shouted at me, I'm going to kill you before swinging his van into me and hitting the curb. So I whacked the brakes on and he plowed into the curb. He then swung his van around into the middle of the road, blocking both sides of traffic and started shouting at me for a while. Whilst I was just looking at him going, well, this is good. Excellent. Let's see what he does here. And then eventually he drove off. Uh. And, I, and I remember saying his number plate over and over in my head. So I didn't forget it. And then I got to work. I was, it was at the point where I was so desensitized to road rage that I just, I, it just didn't bother me. I was just like, all right, cool, yeah, whatever. Get on with it. I want to go to work. Um, and then when I told some people in work, they're like, you've got to report this. Like, you have to report that. I was like, well, there's no point. Nothing's going to happen. And you've forgotten the number plate. No, I had remembered it. Oh, really? <laughs> I reported it to the police. Someone then came over my house a couple of days later to do like a proper report. They then got back to me a week later and said, uh, yeah, we tracked it down to a company that owns the van. There was no confirmation of who drove, so there's nothing we can do. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So... As expected, nothing happened. Yeah, pretty standard <laughs> response. Yeah. I like that. You do get desensitized, don't you? Yeah. I'm now at the point where I'm very calm when yeah. anything like that happens. And I, w I definitely won't e stop or even try to talk to someone. It's pointless. It's it? pointless. Mm. They're different people when they're behind the wheel of a car. They're also... It makes people bad. <laughs> we are also, as cyclists, very vulnerable. And yeah. therefore, it's in our interests to not argue with someone in a vehicle that can kill us. Philippe Gilbert doesn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, his mate got pushed into. It said um, Loic was thrown to his left when the driver closed past. Yeah, I get. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah, that yeah, change yeah, your yeah. mind? Yeah, I did. I, I did get angry and shouted at a man in a video once when we were in Switzerland when he fully deserved it, and I put a camera in his face. It's quite good. Sometimes they just need to be told, but you have to assess the situation carefully. 
I think it depends. Like if I was riding with Francis and he had a close pass and came off his bike, I would probably laugh. If it was Emily, however, well, if it was Francis, I would laugh and then make sure I got it on, on film. If it was Emily, I would probably instantly go into rage mode and then I would double track because I know Emily wouldn't... Actually, I feel like there's, there might actually be an example of this. I think there was one, wasn't there, where I was really, really angry and you told me not to do anything. So I, so I didn't do anything. Yes, I would I rather remember. it not be escalate. Even if it's someone else's fault, I don't want to have to deal with the confrontation and your rage. It never... <laughs> nothing good can happen. No. No. At all. You are at a disadvantage in that situation. If someone's proved that they are ignorant, they're going to close past you and potentially hurt you. It's not a situation you want to be in. No. But what I am going to start doing, uh, so I'm ramping... So the winter in the Northeast is a bit of a, a bit of a beast and it's challenging. It makes me not want to commute at this point of the year. Come the spring, my plan is to commute into the studio a lot more by bike and I'm going to put the Garmin Varia on my bike and I'm actually mm. going to start recording it and start submitting stuff to the police. Because at the moment, there are lots of cases of the police actually doing stuff about it, whereas 10, 15 years ago, I'm not even sure you were able to submit this this sort of footage. At least fines and things, isn't it? Yeah. So that that's my plan. I'm going to start submitting it in that way. There was one instance, do you remember uh, we talked about this in a podcast a while ago where there was two younger people on a moped that well we, they were gonna rob us of our bikes but we saw them in time and we stopped and mm -hmm. we turned around and went the other way if i had been with tony and not you we would have carried on riding and that would have ended very differently so there is situations where well you end you, i don't know it would have it would have been different i think probably what you would have discovered is actually they were just they're having like a cheeky little spliff on the side of the road i, I, and I wish not i could i wish bikes. i could believe that but <laughs> nah they were they were 100 percent after the bikes they weren't they were they would they were they were probably well they might have been they are 100 percent were if you've been with tony you would have found out for sure we would have found out yeah philip was your bet so i mean we have just said nothing good will come of it, but Philippe Gilbert and, and uh, Loic have just been paid to beat a guy up. Yeah, but they'll, I guess they'll have a criminal record. Yeah, they also have, will have a criminal record. That's correct. Do you think Philippe Gilbert, Gilbert cares as like one of the highest paid riders ever? Probably not. I don't know. It depends if he wants to become a teacher, I guess. C I wouldn't C want to fight him. CBA. DBA. Why? DBS check. Yes, CBA check, I called it. DBS. Can't be asked check. <laughs> CBA check. <laughs> If we, I would have a CBA check. I would pass. I would pass. Here's a question for you. So you've just said you wouldn't want to fight Philippe Gilbert. What cyclist would Which you want to fight? Which pro cyclist would you want to fight? Chris Froome. <laughs> Why? Uh, I, think I just feel like we've talked about him so much that it would be, it would be a fun fight. He's, it would be an interesting fight because he's got good reach, but he's also very, very skinny. He is, yeah. So I, I, I'm in intrigued to find out what the result would be. I think you wouldn't, get, in, you wouldn't get anywhere near him. Because he's too fast. He'd just be picking you off at distance. Sting like a bee. Yeah, mm. yeah maybe. I, well, I want to see it. Someone else we've been talking about recently that I think would beat you up is Geraint Thomas. Definitely. <laughs> Good. Compared to Chris Froome, he's like Ronnie Coleman. <laughs> he's so skinny. <laughs> yeah, but compared to Chris Froome, he is like Ronnie Coleman. He's yeah. Yeah, well, it'd still definitely beat you up. Mm. Next up, Sudal Quickstep are getting some flack online for auctioning off Mark Cavendish's 2021 race bike. 
The team famously snubbed Cav from their Tour de France roster in 2022. He left the team soon after. Now they're doing a Christmas clear out of some of their old team kit, including Cav's spare S-Works. Bidding is currently up to €7,100 at the time of recording. Fans have dubbed it shameful. One said, kicking to the curb, but still tried to make a buck off his legend. (laughs) Uh, I'm the biggest Cav fanboy in the world, but it's their bike. They've paid him for the year as part of the part of the package well yeah that bike is gonna 7100 euros definitely gonna be like five times that by the end i agree it's 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 a team bike it's not Cavs' own bike they're gonna have lots of stuff and limited amounts of space so it makes sense and it also raises funds for them to be able to keep existing because pro teams cost a lot of money and also as a cav fanboy it gives you the opportunity to actually get something of Cavs. yeah no it's a win-win-win and i'm sure cav does not care at all <laughs> Would you buy an X-Team bike? I wouldn't. No, never. Having ridden for a team, <laughs> I wouldn't buy my own bike if it was being sold. Well, they, they, like, they don't care about the bike. Nah, they do get trashed. I would only get it, so I would buy like a Marco Pantani bike mm. because I would, ne- I would never have any intention on riding it. That's the only time I would buy a team bike. It's not, I'm not buying it to be like, oh, I'll take it out every now and again. It's just a going on the wall as an exhibition of something significant. Yeah, it's cool. A piece of art. If, if you're going to ride a memorabilia. it, you have the added complication of, yes, this is speculation, but a lot of, uh, depends on the team and the sponsor, but a lot of the bikes that have been ridden in the World Tour probably aren't exactly the same product that you can buy in the shops. Do you want a potentially faster but very brittle bike? Maybe not. Well, plus it's probably been crashed like six times. Yeah, like surely they they're terrible at looking after them. Hmm. Would do you think they get a set number of frames? They'll they'll obviously have given a number of frames, but surely they have a system where it's like you know if we ruin one, you just get one in one out kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So bikes get rebuilt all the time. I think it's all a spare time. bike as well. Huh? That's up for sale, so who knows probably how much he's actually better. ridden it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it may uh, never have been ridden. They'll be looked after pretty well you know, with some care during, uh, in between the races and that sort of thing by the team. But actually during a race, everything goes wild, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Stuff just gets chucked everywhere. You throw it on the floor, get a bike change, that kind of thing. So it depends if you want. So, uh, you, you just have to, it's a, you're hedging your bets. But if you got one of Cav's bikes, mm. surely you're not thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to use that as my summer bike. Probably not. There might be a ride where you're like, oh, actually, I'm going to do a, a chilled couple of hours on these clean roads in perfect weather. Why not? I'll crack it out for some, mm. for, for just the It's what Chris did with, he, he bought from someone else. So it was like third hand. He bought Edvald Bosenhagen's Cervelo S5 or something. Yeah. Uh, and it came so specked out exactly how Edvald Bosenhagen had it that he had two different length crank arms on it. Because there's a leg length discrepancy, apparently. So it was exactly his, like, it wasn't just respect and, yeah. you know, they put a group set on. It was exactly how he had it during the season. It's quite cool. That is cool. Yeah. And then Chris had it repainted, which was weird. So it's probably not worth anything now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he got it painted in, like, a team colorway, though. Maybe. It was in a team colorway and he but got it painted different. I think he got it changed from. 
standard team colours to like, is he Norwegian? He is. Oh, he? he got national champs. It was national thing. champs yeah, colourway yeah, yeah. or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. So that bike was worth £200,000 and now it's worth two. Well, I don't know. I think it's probably still worth quite a bit. It's definitely not 200 grand though. 2,000 pounds. Before we move on from our news section, we have some personal news to share. Some people may already have seen our posts on social media, but Emily and myself have now officially sold Atticus and have moved Whee! on from it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of uh, stress gone for you guys. It is, yes. How do you feel? Good. Very good. How do you feel, Emily? Yeah, great. It's nice <laughs> to be back to one job. Yes. Which is this this job. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think we we had a really stressful kind of personal 12 months in 2022. And if anyone follows that, I could still have known that we changed quite a few things. And we talked about it on a blog that we were trying to um, get a better work-life balance. It was quite, it's just quite difficult. Jimmy and I are very good at working together. We enjoy working together. But also the problem with that is when you are 100% of your business, there is no time that we could take off together and also when you go home you're thinking about work and you're talking about work and we we just weren't very good at separating that and it really got on top of us I think a lot didn't it well you kind of can't when it's your when it's your business now now we work for your business we don't give a damn come five (laughs) o'clock don't care it's good it's your problem not ours yeah 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 I just think about it all the time no but do you know what it is different when it's your thing isn't it and like it's a bit grass is always greener it's it there's a lot of freedom that comes with working for yourself but actually when you get to a point where you have a lot to do in the day there isn't freedom anymore you have to you have to keep turning that cog or the cog doesn't turn and I I guess we were just overworked and we lost the passion a little bit but we found someone that was more passion Mm -hmm. more passion more energy energy. and more footwork more footwork Mm. indeed yeah so yeah you guys seem very relaxed yeah it's good it's an end of an era and it's it, i think it's a nice personal achievement to know that we built something that was bigger than us and that was sellable as well like cool. it's, well it's, it's still nice. it's got so atticus clothing kit brand and they have uh new owners now and who seem really nice and they're, it's going to continue to exist mm-hmm. yeah and still sort of small scale it's a it's a couple of, again and they they own a jewelry business already so they're very well versed in business and cycling so and e-commerce which and is e-commerce. a very modern style of business yeah you're going to carry on wearing atticus yeah for now uh or at least for next year i'm well, i guess you could say i'm a brand ambassador which you're a brand weird. ambassador <laughs> We have drawers and drawers and drawers of the stuff. It would not make sense to change. Well, I'll be honest. There there was a point where I was like, oh, I can wear other stuff. And I'm like, well, I've designed this stuff to be like perfect for me. So it's exactly Jimmy sized. There isn't going to be other stuff that I get that I, that I like more. So it makes sense to keep wearing it. Mm. I don't know. I know what you're going to be wearing. Had a little chat with Dan. It's a full uh, flesh colored suit. I can believe that. Yeah, it's good. With a little a, a leaf over the private parts. Well, you're wearing clothes. You don't need the leaf. Okay, fully naked. Well, you're not actually naked. It's just flesh coloured. No, it'll be exact replica of what's underneath. Jimmy's like a Ken doll, though. There's nothing there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. That's why you're more aero. Mm-hmm. Oh, more on that <laughs> in the wind tunnel video coming up. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now on to our big question of the day. Week. What cycling stuff are you asking for Santa this year? So... I'll go first on this one. Did I just say for Santa this year? I think I did. You did. I don't, I'm not getting anything for Santa. From Santa. Even though he is real. So I'm going to get Santa. <laughs> I'm just continuing your gibberish. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, we're, we haven't actually uploaded the video. So the video hasn't gone live yet, but it will very, very soon. We're making a video about nearly the entire Garmin tax range. So indoor trainers, lots of them. They also just launched a new one, which is the Neo 3M. What I learned from making that video is there is two products that are right at the top of that space that I have fallen in love with. So I'm going to get Santa, a tax Neo 3M or the tax Neo bike because it is absolutely sick. I thought I was going to hate both of them, but I love them both. Which one would you... Yeah, I, I honestly, I w- never was on team tax bike, tax neo bike, but now I've tried it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I, I'm I get g- it now. I'm going to hazard a guess that Santa doesn't ride a bike. No, we're not. This isn't the game. It isn't <laughs> presents for Santa. We've Jimmy. ruined Emily's podcast <laughs> again for 28 weeks in a row. <laughs> um, I, I, I would like a bike. The, the the neo bike but it's three and a half grand and i i like sitting on my bike yeah. when you know when you get your bike dialed in it just feels nice to be on it to have your shifters slightly worn your saddle kind of you know just everything is exactly yours oh, and how you, you ride down the road wear in like yeah uh, definitely shoes. i do i do i think they do um so I, my preference would be to put my bike on it. If I was like a Chris Hall, our mate who's an adventure cyclist, he turbos an offensive amount because he rides an offensive amount. If I was doing, you know, five, ten hours a week on a turbo consistently, it would make sense to have the bike, the Neo bike, because of the wear on your drivetrain. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. it, like Chris's Chris's bikes are all super top end bikes. The amount of wear on a Dura-Ace cassette and chain on a turbo that he's getting is huge. So get a bike. Well, I mean, different cassette. You'd have it a cheapy, cassette. You'd have a yeah, cheapy yeah. cassette on that. Actually, yeah, you're right. But yeah. you're still shifting. I mean, if you shift, mm-hmm. if you're not erg mode all the time, you still wear stuff out. Well, yeah, exactly. A little bit on the chain ring, but yeah. So in that scenario, bike, but near 3M for me, please. Cool. I want the- That can be arranged. The Rocky Rocky. Well, you may borrow one- um, for five days from Cade Media if you want it. Thanks. No worries. So I've asked him for... Like every year, I just 
buy 365 pairs of white cycling socks yep. and then um, wear them once and throw them away each day. Yeah. Same with shoes as well. Uh, I asked Scott for 52 pairs of white cycling shoes. And then after a week, obviously they're too dirty, so just throw them away. You know some people are going to believe you on this as well, don't you? Yeah, people seem to believe a lot of things that I say that yeah. are in jest, yeah. but that's their problem. So I'm going to ask for a replacement for all my white shoes and socks because obviously you want to look like... Vanderpol does it. Vanderpol does it, doesn't he? Every cyclocross race, white shoes and socks. They are definitely not the same ones from the year, week before mountain bike race. Speculation, they might be. Well, he's really good at Vanish. Well, yeah. Oxy action. Well, it might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah true. That's what he spends most of his time doing. You just jet wash it and then dry it. Emily, what are you getting Santa this year? I don't know if it's a Christmas present, but something I would like in 2024 is a new road bike that fits. Because what I have come to finally accept is that my bike does not fit me. It is far too long. And I've secretly known this since the moment I bought it. It's a Canyon and they have a size chart. You, you put in your measurements and they tell you what bike to buy. And I did not want to buy that bike. So I bought the one up. And the reason I didn't want to buy it is because the one they suggested had 650B wheels. That is annoying. I just didn't want to deal with it. Like Jimmy buys all of our inner tubes and I'm not responsible for that. And I don't mm. want to be responsible for that. Whereas if it was, if it was a different inner tube, I would have to deal with it. And I didn't want to. So I bought the bike and I've had it for a long time now, mm -hmm. probably since 2015, something like that. A long time. Um, and I've dealt with it. And I think probably only since getting my gravel bike, I've started to ride my road bike less and less and less. And I've done not much riding this year. And I've come to realize it's, it just doesn't fit. So I am going to sell it. And I don't know what I'm going to replace it with yet. But cool. That's my plan. Is this, is this confirmed? Are you actually going to get rid of it? I am going to get rid of it. Yeah, I think oh, so. About yeah. time. It, pu it puts you off riding it if it doesn't fit. It does. And yeah. you're uncomfortable. I love you it. it I much. love it for so many reasons. It's so fun and like it feels light, which for me means it feels easier. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't have a lot of strength. I'm a small person and it just felt like nice and nippy and cool on hills and all that kind of stuff. But like, so I, we, we took it to Tenerife. We climbed Mount Tader, yeah. which was, it took us hours and hours. And by the top of the climb, you know, I was in a bent over position on the bike and then I got off and I could not stand up straight. My back was ruined and I was in bed for two days afterwards. Mm, pretty days. much the rest of the holiday. There was a point, so my mum's a masseuse and I made her, she had like an emergency call with Jimmy and gave Jimmy some like massage techniques to do on me. And then I was fine and we went back up the climb and then my back was ruined again. So it's, I just need to get a bike that fits. Yeah. 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 It totally is possible to get a 700C wheel on a bike that small does one. fit small people yeah um james has just done it with a guy called giles our Saw friend bike fitter. yeah so he has uh, a chondroplegia so a type of dwarfism and he has to have a much smaller frame than you have to ride still has 700c wheels because it's you know you want tire choice it's not just inner tubes there isn't as many there isn't many as many tires to choose from as 650b and then, you know, spares on a ride. If you get through the two inner tubes that you have, it's just annoying, isn't it? Yeah. For people. Did Bike Vic James have to go custom on that? That is custom, yeah. It's savage, yeah. isn't it? That's, but that that's... is it is an extremely small frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are definitely, there should be, I'm confident there are options out there which are stock bikes. Mm. Um, not many though, that's... that's Not enough. 
part of the pro- part of the problem, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, there isn't that much out there. Yep. Hopefully, it will change. We'll keep moaning about it on the internet until it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Time for another round of overrated or underrated. I'm going to read out a list of things, and you're going to tell me if they are overrated or underrated. So this first section actually starts with a bit of news, and it's on Canyon Bikes. So a new report shows that their profits fell by over 25, sorry, 26 million pounds this year. They made a loss of 1.7 million pounds in the first nine months of 2023, and they have blamed discounting. Apparently, rival brands were offering price cuts on products, so they did the same to try and compete. They are saying that they actually sold 23% more bikes this year than before, with customers taking advantage of those dis- discounts. They also apparently had production shortages on popular models. So, so are they the, overrated or underrated? Yeah, what's the question? Overrated or underrated? So, are Kenyan bikes overrated or underrated? <laughs> uh, really good for the money. I think they've got better as well. Yeah, they've always been good for value. They've always been really good for value. They've tested the big traditional bike brands for value and as a result of that have sold a hell of a lot of bikes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do some things that I find very frustrating. Like they, along with a couple of other brands, are the kings of proprietary parts, i.e. they design stuff that's only compatible with their things. So it makes it hard to put whatever bars or whatever seat post you want on a bike because they have their own sizes. Really annoying ones with the bars that like come apart in the middle. They've tried They've tried to make those handlebars that can be extended and right. reduced in size by not that much. And it's just, it's just annoying. I do think they are overrated. Because they're very popular. But I do think they have forced the industry to start doing things better. Yeah, only just overrated. However, the industry is still not good enough. And there's still lots of stuff that needs to happen. Uh, We are in agreement. Yes. Fixed gear bikes. Overrated. Actually, they're not anymore because no one cares about fixed gear bikes. So they're appropriately rated, which is not at all. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's great. I love my fixie. When... uh... When I'm down in London, go to my parents' house to stay, and I have a fixed gear bike there. It's the only bike I have. It would it's be fine. better if it, it was single speed. If, um, nah, there's something about riding it fixed, which is horrible. Nice. <laughs> it just is nice. It's not. It's so horrible. underrated, underrated for me. Uh, however, you, you would not be able to ride it around the Northeast. Well, you would. You just have to put a really Very weird slowly. gear ratio on it. Tiny gear. Yeah, yeah. It would be kind of annoying. And then you'd have to take your feet off the pedals when you then descend into town. Yes. Whereas if it was single speed, you'd have no issues. On your, on your brakeless fixed gear down straight into Newcastle. Well, it can't be brakeless. It's illegal ah. in oh, this country. Yeah, yeah never. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a, I used to have a single speed that I... I've probably ridden that bike more than any other bike ever because I mm. used to commute on it for many years and I absolutely loved it. And... I am a. I think single speed is better than fixed gear, and that is going to upset a lot of fixed gear people. I mean, it's more practical. Yeah, it it just it's, it is. It works better in every sense. But some things aren't logical, Jimmy. Some things are just uh, it's overrated. Ra- <laughs> I was going to say romantic. No, yeah, I, I see that. But uh, partly of that was like trendy marketing. 
courtesy of um was it Rockstar Games that sponsored Red Hook Crit or something? Yeah, like that? yeah, they did. Like they used to have bonkers sponsorship. It was Rockstar cool a genius with their marketing. Can we just say that? They dropped the GTA trailer, uh trailer which everyone's been waiting for ages for. And then in Netflix shows at the moment, I've noticed people wearing Rockstar t-shirts. Mm. So they're just like reinforcing it in your brain at the right time. They as a company, they're on it. It's very clever. Yes. Right. Next suggestion is by Ian. Cycling specific holiday packages. Wow. Never done one. I don't think they are overrated, but I do think they are overpriced. Right, yeah. The service that you get on some of them is absolutely phenomenal, and therefore I think you'd have an amazing time. But they are always they always seem to be priced so aggressively that it just isn't worth the money. Yeah. The only I tell you, I, I think it probably technically falls into this space, but it kind of doesn't. Like hot chili London to Paris. To do it is expensive, but to be fair, that one is absolutely sick. All of the hot chili events are spot on. And um, the London to Paris one, I think, is the least amount of value for what you get. And it's because I know why, because I've like, I'm friends with the guys who run the company. The hotels in France are just astronomically expensive mm -hmm. and around the Tour de France even more so. Of so course, you yeah, have yeah. to end up, you, you're basically paying for that and the, the experience you get at the end of the uh, end of the ride where you get to Paris, you stay in the nice Marriott hotel or whatever, and then you spend uh, some time on the Champs-Élysées. So what you're paying for is, is that as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you historically, I don't know if they still run these events, but Cape Rouleur, which is the one in South Africa, yeah, you have to buy the flight. But once you're there, everything is, you know, so much cheaper compared to the Paris one. And you get more days of riding, really nice hotels, really nice food. Uh, and it's a way better deal. So you can pick and choose. But a lot of people want to do, and a lot of companies pay for, you know, the big charity ride, London to Paris. It's iconic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But they don't do it anymore. They're on the last one. Oh. Yeah. We did that. We all did that together, didn't we? The yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. You know why they've, I, I think they've stopped it because of Brexit. Yeah. And there was issues with getting the bikes across the channel because they don't go with you. You go on a ferry, they chuck all the bikes onto a big truck and then the, the DHL truck or whatever takes them across and they like couldn't deal with the paperwork. Mm. It was just monster job. Because it's, it's technically an import. There's also a lot yeah. more passport control as well because we're no longer members of the EU. So yeah, yeah. there was always a really finite time to get on the ferry, wasn't it? Whereas now you assume you can't get on that ferry until you've gone through passport control. I think so, yeah. We went on a cycling, well, it was a triathlon camp, wasn't it? We oh, used yeah. To go on. That was outrageous value. Though, Is this right? where someone crashed on his face on like the first five miles? Yes. On one of the occasions, yes. But let's not tarnish it with that. <laughs> It was a great holiday other than that. Uh, so we did, that it, we did it like three times or something rather. Yeah. Um, it was amazing value. I basically learned to swim at that camp mm. in an adult fashion. What's the one that you pay lots of money and you go for a really bougie ride or a series of rides over a few days with like Mark Cavendish and go on DJ decks and stuff? I have no idea what you're talking about. What is it? It's they, like they do an Ibiza one. The name is, has gone out of my head. You sure it's just not a party and he's just doing a bit of training? Yeah, basically. But there's, that one's like really expensive, but you get like, it's all Michelin star food and stuff like that. If I had money to do it, I want to go on one like that. You might as well just go big, right? Otherwise, I have the 
experience and know-how to do a cycling holiday, to organize a cycling uh, trip myself. Don't need a, an organized thing. So I'd rather just grab a couple of mates, rent a villa and then go to a place that I know. Mm. So, unless it was an experience like that kind of thing, then I wouldn't bother. But not everyone's in that situation. Some people need to be led on the roads and showed the roads and that's totally fair. Suggested by Jake, photochromatic lenses. Underrated. Massively underrated. I think they're brilliant. Yeah, they're so If good. I could only have those in my glasses, I would. Uh, particularly when you're making, <laughs> this is niche, but when you're making videos and you need to be able to see a camera and expose things right, most of the lenses on cycling glasses that aren't photochromatic or photochromic are too dark. So I often find they're just too, it's too much. I'm looking at the camera like, oh, I can't do it. I do use, I use clear lenses quite a lot, surprisingly. Mm. I probably shouldn't in summer, but then I always have a photochromatic for summer. I d yeah, it just makes sense. Especially like we ride a lot in and out of like tree line. So having something which adapts to that just makes sense. I like clear lenses and I don't think there's a problem with wearing them in summer. Well, there technically isn't. Because no. your eyes do it adjust yeah. <laughs> for bright light. What's more, daylight during the day, sunlight during the day directly in your eyes is a good thing. It keeps you awake. So there might be an argument for not wearing sunglasses that are super dark anyway. Next, a suggestion from Cyril, which is flat pedals. Underrated. Elaborate. Uh, I love riding bikes with flat pedals. It's fun. Particularly off-road, because you can just take your foot off and skid around corners and stuff. It, it, there is a, it definitely gives you a level of confidence, because I used to... I had a BMX in London just for lols. I actually did the... Uh, urban hill climb race on a BMX where I had road cleats on it. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've ridden a BMX with road cleats and with flat pedals. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when I was trying to learn how to manual, if you would, if you were clipped in on a bike whilst trying to learn how to manual, it, it would just be absolutely terrifying. The amount of times I decked it anyway, and that's with flat pedals, it would have been like quadruple that if I had had cleats on. Not obviously you wouldn't on a BMX anyway, but that that's what you gain from flat pedals is just this level of confidence that you're on it and you're not, or you're not on it rather mm -hmm. than being bonded to the bike. Yeah. Um, there definitely is someone that does the national 24 hour time trial that is very competitive. That does the entire race on flat pedals. I like, I wonder what shoes he's wearing underneath the overshoes. Cause he wears full aero overshoes mm -hmm. still. Yeah. And then his shoes underneath look like they're aerodynamic. So maybe he's got some special shoes. Perhaps. Yeah. I th I'm sure there is some studies around the benefit of clipped in pedals on certain things. And I think once you start going really long and the powers are less high in terms of like efficiency, it's not, it, it kind of like there's diminishing returns. Yeah. It? It's more like it, the benefits are really when you're accelerating and mm -hmm. like if you're working the bike out of the saddle to catch up with someone, yeah. you'll be like, oh, if you're on flat pedals, it would be horrible. Yeah. But, yeah well, going true. back to our, the triathlon camp that we used to be in, they had a rule that if you didn't have road cleats, so for some people that would arrive, everyone would always have cleats, but some people would ride in SPDs, so mountain bike cleats. Yeah. If you had SPDs, you were not allowed to compete in any of the sprints. Uh, I think that's fair. So the, the theory is you're more likely to pull your foot out of a pedal, in which case you're more likely to pull down the people around you as well as crash yourself. It's why I tighten up my pedals so much, mm -hmm. particularly for mountain biking. 
because there's nothing worse than pulling your feet out of your pedals when you've just gone off a, a jump because <laughs> you can't get them back in, you know, whereas flat pedals would be fine. But flat pedals, that, that I reach a point off-road where if I'm doing a, a proper bit of mountain biking, in inverted commas, which is technical, I much prefer being clipped in because I know my feet aren't going to do anything weird. Yeah. And flat pedals then don't feel right to me. But there's a mix in, in the world of mountain bike. But yeah, man- mountain bike people will use really large pedals with studs in and then mountain bike shoes, which it all just grip. It's like, it's, it's not like just wearing, using a, a bog standard flat pedal with a, a normal pair pedal. of trainers. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. designed to grip. Plus, mm-hmm. I actually learned from one of my mates, Billy, who used to do a lot of mountain biking very competitively. There's actually like flat pedal technique Oh yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you like position your heels and your angles in different things, so that if you're doing a jump, you grip it in a different way and stuff. Which it, well, it's a whole different skill, isn't it? Suggested by Kevin, classic electric guitars in brackets, Fender Strat, Gibson Les Paul, etc. Yes, I mean underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yes, give them to me. Yes, I want them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're definitely a, a, a vintage uh, Strat. Person. I only have classic guitars. Classical guitars. Oh, no, guitars. wait. No, I've got those weird... Well, they're still strats, yeah. Got the hamsters ones, haven't I? All right, you're the, you're the guitarist. Uh, Talk uh, about guitars. The guitar design has not changed very much, and the original designs are still the best, which is mad. Like, isn't it crazy? Leo Fender, who's the guy who started Fender, and he designed the Telecaster, I think it was originally Broadcaster, Telecaster, Stratocaster, and they're still the guitars that everybody uses on stage. Okay, yeah, there's like metal versions, but still same sort of body shape. He got it right almost first time. It's really cool. I love a classic guitar. Cool. Keep sending in your suggestions to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk and we might read yours out in the next show. Next on to Fluff Up of the Week. Uh, I know what this one is. I laughed so much. I didn't. So we You did. You were laughing as it happened. Not surely not as it happened, because I thought I thought my life was gonna end. Um (laughs) so earlier this week we filmed a video which is coming out in a a section of a video which is coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um and we were very fortunate to spend some time in a wind tunnel. What I didn't expect was to literally end up in the wind tunnel. (laughs) So it's it's a very weird looking thing. There's basically a room in the middle where the bike is and looks like a normal room a cha- attached to two massive chambers. The one chamber has a huge fan in it. The other chamber is the thing that the air is like sucked through. And the whole construction of that is this like nice wood. It's like a big wood tunnel thing with a big slope. It looks like a slide uh, with then again, some like mesh and metal things at the end of it. And... Um, the lovely people at AeroCoach were like, oh yeah, you can you can go down in into it. Uh, you can just walk down into it and take some photos or some video shooting back up. Um, at which point, when you were on the bike, I was making my way down to shoot some footage and I was like, oh, I haven't got shoes on. And you were like, oh, you'll be fine. And as I walked onto one of the panels of wood, I proceeded to end up, my legs came away from me because it was actually really steep and I was sliding down this piece of wood towards... I don't even know what it's some big metal mesh thing that I was pretty com- much convinced I was going to write off a one million pound wind tunnel. 
fortunately, and I'm actually going to credit it to the silicon strap on my Garmin watch, <laughs> the only thing that would what? grip. That's the maddest product placement we've ever <laughs> had for Garmin. I was literally sliding down thinking, oh, I'm going to end up with a lot of splinters here. Oh. I didn't end up with any. And I could see the the the, the like silicon of my strap just like digging into the wood. And I was just like, this is literally going to save my life. I would have died. I can't wear the silicone strap because yeah. I have a, uh, some sort of silicon allergy, yeah. <laughs> apparently. So I've got the um, nylon one. So you would I have... would have gone off the slide, out the back of the wind tunnel, into all the circular saw blades, which is at the bottom. Well, my, in, my, my vision of what that mesh thing is at the end is like razor blades. And actually you pass through it and you get like purified. That's always, that's what I was thinking was going to happen. And then they make you into a, a meat cube. You know, there's, there's definitely horror films where there's come some kind of like laser thing that as you pass, you come out in like cubes. Resident Evil. Is it Resident Evil? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his face... So that's what I was expecting to happen, but yeah. saved by my my watch strap. <sighs> Swipe up, use code Jimmy10 for 0% off. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, thank, I, I, well, actually, you started laughing or saying, basically, one of the guys from the aero tunnel ended up running out to see what was going on. And the, the weirdest bit, I was like, oh, I'm going to get, they're going to, they're going to go absolutely <laughs> ballistic with me because I'm They're like laughing. trashing a wind tunnel. She literally looked in, laughed and just walked away <laughs> as I'm like on my side at the bottom of this wind tunnel trying to work out how I get out. She literally just laughed at me and walked away. She's like, Jimmy is broken, not the tunnel. Everything's fine. <laughs> so yeah, fluff up of the week. Let's finish up with a listener's takeover. We got an email. First up, we've got an email. There's two here. First up, we got an email from Christopher with the subject line, weird dream about Jimmy and Francis. Hello, Jimmy, Francis and Emily. I had a dream last night. I was out and about on my bike and Jimmy stopped me. He wasn't on a bike. He was a pedestrian wearing a bin bag, which he had painted on the words, this is a bin bag in neon colors. That is quite me, to be honest. This is just one of my dreams. This it is, is. I have this. Francis was filming a bit where Jimmy was promoting the benefits of wearing bin bags, explaining how they're eco-friendly, though I'm not convinced about that, and how you can customize them, for example, painting on them or using glitter to jazz them up. That's the mistake. Everyone knows I hate glitter. They're waterproof. You can easily ride your bike wearing one. Really? If you get too warm, it's easy to take it off and stow away in a pocket. True. Jimmy looked incredibly happy throughout. Francis didn't say a word. So he did keep chuckling from time to time. <laughs> then I woke up feeling confused. <laughs> keep up the good work, Chris. That is that exactly could be real. us filming a video. <laughs> that could, that's so close to Are real Are you life. sure he didn't just see us out filming? Did we do a bin bag bit? Well, maybe you it's the poncho that? from one of the Wish videos or the Timu video, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> that is nearly real life. <laughs> the structure of dreams is wild, isn't it? That mm. is exactly the kind of dream I would have. Yeah. It, the details are like, that's... Your brain just make uh, anyway. <laughs> I, I I remember reading that, thinking this is the kind of story Francis would tell me on the way into work. Yeah, well, I tell you my dreams quite often, don't I? Yeah, because things like that, like that. Yeah. yeah. Question from Nikolai: Hey guys, I have a personal dilemma. Should I wrap my bike in helicopter brackets protective tape? I bought a new carbon bike at the end of the season, but I haven't ridden it outside yet. Just spinning the rollers indoors for now. It's got a really nice blue paint job, which I wouldn't want to damage too much, especially considering how many scuffs and scratches I got on my first alloy bike. I do make peace with imperfections on all of my stuff eventually, but I doubt the carbon will gain any nice patina over time. However, I dread doing it myself. 
Remembering how tedious the process was, even on something like a smartphone dealing with the air bubbles and dust, I don't think I'll be pleased with the results after a first try. There are companies and bike shops around my area that do this professionally for cars and bikes, but the price tag for covering the whole frame is ridiculous in my opinion, some starting from around 200 GBP. Covering just some of the parts feels like a half measure, and I'll probably lead to inconsistent color fading patterns after a couple of summer seasons. What do you think? Is it worth it? Have you ever done it yourself? Love the content. Love from Siberia. Cool. Okay, so I have experience of this, as does Emily. Uh, we wrapped some of our bikes in the past, and I 100% would never do it myself because it is a hell job. And you really need to find someone that has that like, that level of attention to detail because there's so many bends and curves on bikes that it's just like, I, I just wouldn't want to do it. My closest experience of it is wrapping a Cannondale Cadex with a camo pattern, yeah. which we talk about in our roasting our rides video. And it was very unpleasant and it looked rubbish. And doing it with the, this protective film thing would be a nightmare. My, I haven't done it go, going forward. I don't do it anymore on my bikes. Um, partly because I just don't care anymore. Uh, it was a couple of bikes that I had that were like really nice and they had particularly amazing paint jobs. And I was like, I want to protect this. But I'm also the kind of person that is quite happy using stuff and destroying it. And, you know, well, not destroying it, but, you know, I, I'm I'm happy for stuff to have war scars on because it's been used. And therefore, if I chip a bike, I don't really care anymore. Um, I think there's... What I didn't like about it, and this is probably just me being a bit overkill, is on certain bits where it's been wrapped, because it's not a perfect wrap of every single bit, you will get this little edge of where the like the wrap film stuff ends. And I didn't like that. Even though you practically can't see it, it just got into my head and I didn't like it. Um, we do it in sections. So like the stairs will be one piece and the top tube will be another piece. So yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely the people we did. I don't know if that's moved on from since, since then, um, but I don't do it currently. Uh, I think there might be issues with removing it because obviously it's like fully stuck to the frame. I think you have to use a proper technique to m remove it, maybe even a heat gun. Otherwise it can pull paint off of the bike. Um, it kind of comes down to whether the person is going to be more upset with a little mark, uh, a mark on their bike or it always being there slash, uh, seeing little bits of edges of the film. And paying 200 pound or whatever it costs to get yeah. it protected. I, I think my, my opinion now is if my bike gets some scratches and damages on it, cool. How much does it cost to get a frame repainted? repainted i guess that's a how long is a piece of string question yeah it's it's going to be a, a minimum of like 500 quid if it's carbon it's going to be even more again how much was your guy across the road in the garage yes bear in mind that you that doesn't factor in the sanding of the frame the prep of the it frame. does because you tried to do it but you did it so badly you had to redo it again. no we didn't redo any of it really yeah i ended up i you did like an 10%. eighth of what yeah. was actually <laughs> done um so the actual spraying of that bike was, I think, 300 quid. Okay. I was trying to factor that into my decision, whether you just get it repainted. If your bike it's like new, isn't it? is steel or alloy, you can get it shot blasted slash sandblasted. So the prep of it is nothing at all. And you mm. could even get it powder coated. So if, it, so if it's a metal frame, 
in most cases, it's going to cost you a few hundred quid to completely change the color of the bike, which is something I've done in the past. If it's a carbon frame to get it resprayed, I'd be amazed if you find someone willing to do it for 500 quid. And if, or, and if you want something nice, it's even more. Yes. And it would only be 500 quid because they're probably rushing the prep. And the prep is what's going to make the paint good for the long term. Yeah. Um, so 200 pounds to protect your paint isn't a lot of money if you don't want to potentially be spending a thousand pounds to respray it further down the line. I've ridden carbon bikes with nice paint jobs extensively, particularly like my gravel bike, uh, through loads of crap. The only thing that ever really scuffs the paint in a way that is undesirable is bags on bikes. In which case you could put a protective thing just underneath where the bags are going to rub. Everything else doesn't ever end up massive and a problem. Yeah, of course. Unless you, unless you have a terrible crash, but in that case, it might just be written off anyway. Yeah, it's it's not going to cause a problem, but some people are not going to want any marks on their bike. Well, it's a bike. So either protect Tough it shit. or don't protect it. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, don't bother. That, that's where I am now, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Keep sending in your questions, stories, and fun stuff to wildonespodcast.cademedia.co.uk. Before we go, we want to ask you a favor. If you liked the episode, please take a moment to give us a five-star review or leave a like and comment if you're watching it on YouTube. It doesn't take long, but by doing this, you help us boost the profile of the podcast and we can continue to put it out for free. Um, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Is this Christmas or not Christmas? Not Christmas. Next week is Christmas. Have a wonderful Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. If you celebrate. And if, if not... Holidays. Have a wonderful time. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.